is the Rebel Author Podcast, where we talk about books, business, and occasionally bad words. Hello, Rebels, and welcome to episode 160 of the Rebel Author Podcast. Today, I'm joined by Grant Faulkner, and we're going to be talking all about NaNoWriMo. But first, to last week's question, which was, what and when was the last bit of self-care you did? So Ian Worrell said, took a sick day from work as I wasn't feeling well, particularly after doing two shift rotations where I did four night shifts. Oof. The schedule is usually two day shifts, then two night shifts, followed by four days off. Foolishly, I did two days, then four nights, followed by two days off, and did the same thing again. Oh my goodness me. So exhausted and got a cold, so used a sick day for the first time since last year. Wowza, I'm glad you did that, because that is an insane schedule. Edwin Downward said, I always find the question of self-care problematic to answer. What constitutes self-care and how is it expressed in my life? For this question, though, I'm going to, uh, going to go with my recent attendance of the Wine Country Writers Festival. It says a today of 14 hours, but I think it means a tour of 14 hours of driving through some incredible mountain terrain with multiple uh, breaks in the, uh, sorry, multiple Uh, photo takes in the scenery breaks and a full day surrounded by other writers and their own journeys to pursue their passion. I love that. That sounds gorgeous. Uh, Meg Jolly said, such a great episode. Very interesting. The last bit of self-care I did for me was taking a nap yesterday. Needed guilt-free rest. I love that. Naps are incredible if you can do them. I'm not very good at napping, but oh, when I get one, that's like just the right amount of time is absolutely fucking glorious. (laughs) This week's question is, have you ever done nano or are you going to do nano this year? The book recommendation this week is Darkest Night by recent guest Alessa Thorne. So I read this, actually I binged it, um, and it's an enemies to lovers, sort of mercenary uh, type book. Both characters are morally grey and um, it is spicy, I will tell you that, uh, but I fucking loved it. It was really fun. It was a great bit of uh, escapism and like just, oh my god, I just, I really enjoyed it. (laughs) And, And of course, as you all know, enemies to lovers is my favorite trope it's the thing I read the most uh definitely something that I am going to be uh writing on more than one occasion so yeah I I loved the book and highly recommend it it is Kindle Unlimited as well so um just for those of you who who listen who are wide unfortunately it is only Kindle Unlimited but um of course you can buy the paperback if you are wide um sorry yeah if you are a wide reader okay so personal update this week oh I don't know it's been a weird week (laughs) Oh wow, that's a throwback to uh, next level authors. It's um, it's been difficult. So I obviously finished the book and I went straight, more or less, straight into edits. Um, and I have found the edits difficult. I oh, I've done two, I think, sessions, two full day sessions editing. And I'm only 11, 12,000 words in. I've written 3,000 new words. I've hacked the beginning to pieces. And, oh, I just... I don't know what I expected. I, I think I naively thought that it would be in a better state than it is. But what do you expect, Sasha? <laughs> when you vomit out 70k in a very short space of time. I mean, look, it's not in a terrible situation. Uh, A lot of the prose is fine. What I'm finding is that 
as I went through the book, I made decisions. And so I started writing as if those decisions had already been fixed earlier on in the book. So I'm thinking that a lot of the work is going to come in the beginning. There's another big section in the middle that I know is coming that needs dealing with. Um, and it's and I can tell you that the book is about a thousand times better than it was. So I know that I'm going in the right direction and I know that I'm doing the right thing. But <laughs> Little Miss fucking competitive wants to do it fast and right now. <laughs> I'll also activate her everyone drink. Um, yeah, so I am I am toying with process questions still because it's very healthy for my brain to get the book out quickly because if I get it out quickly, I've got no time to doubt myself or to get into spirals about whether or not what I'm writing is good enough. So the faster I get it out, the better it is mentally for me um, and the less I struggle. Like the longer and more prolonged that first draft goes for me personally, I'm not saying this is the case for you guys, but for me personally, the worse it is. So I know that I need to keep the pace in the first draft. Um, <laughs> But I also want a slightly cleaner draft, but I'm finding that difficult because some of the stuff I didn't know until I started writing, you know, like I did do a very brief outline. It was like post-its on an A3 page. Um, and I'd done a lot of thinking, but still I came up with ideas as I was writing and twists, which mean I've got to change stuff at the beginning and, you know, in the middle. And it's, ah, uh, it's fucking frustrating because, you know, I want to be editing like 10K a day, not fucking 5K a day and, you know, writing 2K or whatever. So yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I'm, I'm hoping that as I progress through, things will get faster. I'm also uh, stressing a little bit because, um, I've got some things in the background that need doing, like finishing off the audiobook. Um, I really, really now need to spend some time researching or spend some more time researching and making decisions about how I am going to market this book or this series of books, how, what exactly the pen name is going to be, because I sort of chose one and now I've sort of changed my mind a bit. And, um, yeah, exactly. You know, all of those things when you start again, do I have a mailing list? Do I create a website? You know, all of this shit. And um, I'm acutely aware that the cover designer is booked in for November, early November, and I've done nothing. <laughs> Fuck. So yeah, I am stressing a little bit because I'm also trying to get the book edited before we break for um, half term. And uh that's not going to happen. It, I am not going to finish it unless a fucking miracle happens. And like, I don't know, I miraculously get to a third of the way through and it's much better than I anticipated and there's less changes, uh, then it's not going to happen. So um, it means it will spill over into the week after half term into the second uh, school half term of the year. And uh, which is when I'm supposed to be doing the next nonfiction book. So uh, I just feel like time is slipping through my fingers, like fucking slugs or sand or whatever. I don't even know. Uh, but yeah, I am feeling a little bit twitchy today, if I'm perfectly honest. I've got some other big goals that I'm planning in the background. And I just like, where where am I going to get the time from? I just don't. Uh, yeah. Anyway, I'm in a good space. Let me just caveat all of this talking I'm in a very good space mentally um I've been doing boot camps for like three and a half months now and oh my goodness me it's making such a difference like mentally to me it's you know physically also I've dropped a dress size now which is great um 
and I find that the days that I go to boot camp, I'm actually more productive in the afternoons than the days that I don't go to boot camp. So it's very encouraging. So yeah, like I'm in a good space, but apparently I don't have enough fucking time. <sighs> Surprising absolutely no one. So um, yeah, that's kind of where I am. And I want to get about four things done before the end of next week. And I, if I'm lucky, I'll get one done. And that is making me scream internally, very loudly. Yeah. I'm sure you can all relate. So for me in the next week, I need to uh, carry on editing. I need to do the marketing research and I really, really need to get the audiobook finished. So those are all the things on my to-do list that I would love to know what you guys are up to in the next week. The Rebel of the Week this week is April Jones, although April says this comes from a friend of mine, a friend of my husband's. Okay, so it goes... So we used to live in a small town with its small town cops and its typical small town point of view. Uh, it's summer 1990 uh, on a Wednesday, uh, two in the morning. The streets are nice and quiet without any others around. The boys, ages 17 and 18, are out enjoying a car ride after staying up late because that's what teenagers do. The music isn't loud, they're talking to each other after all. But this is a typically small town that thinks light rock is the devil's music, so rap isn't approved of. Now keep in mind they're not ripping around, blasting their music or anything that would be considered disturbing the peace. There are a few, few blocks from the house, from the first house, dropping a buddy off at home like good friends do, when lo and behold, the old blue and red red start flashing behind them. So they pull over, roll down their windows and grab their license and registration. The car is in perfect working order. He wants to be a mechanic, so he's diligent with its upkeep and knows it has no, uh, knows it has nothing to do with it and they weren't speeding. So understandably, they're confused. The cops come in, shines the light in his eyes and said, my, your eyes are looking red, son. Have you been smoking or drinking anything tonight? He doesn't miss a beat. No, officer, but your eyes are looking little gazed over. Have you been eating donuts tonight? This uh, goes over about as well as you think. His dad was pissed but couldn't stop laughing on their way out from the station after a minor fee was paid. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my goodness me. I can't believe he, like, arrested him and had to, get like, find him for saying that. What a fucking joke. Oh, people need to lighten up these days. I love this rebellion. If you guys would like to be a rebel of the week, please do send in your story. It can be any kind of rebellion. It can be a, a, a big uh, illegal rebellion, or it can be a, a very legal, very minor rebellion, or it can be something in between. It can be literally anything. It could be a pet rebellion, a parent rebellion, a friend's rebellion. Uh, you can email your rebel story to Becca over on rebelauthorpodcast at gmail.com. Welcome and a huge thank you to Paul Worthington for joining Patreon. Uh, and of course, a gigantic thank you to all of my existing patrons. You guys literally help to keep the show running and you also help to pay for my time and you are building an amazing community together. We, we have such uh, a wonderful space a safe community a welcoming community and supportive and next week uh probably the day that this goes live i think we will be uh watching a movie night we're going to be watching top gun all together uh top gun maverick the new one uh so yeah if you would like to join me and get bonus content as well as early access to all of the episodes you can from as little as two dollars a month by visiting patreon.com forward slash sasha black
This episode is sponsored by Kobo Writing Life. I fucking love Kobo, so let me tell you a little bit about them. Kobo Writing Life is Kobo's free, fast and easy self-publishing platform. KWL was built by authors for authors and their team of dedicated book lovers is always working hard to help authors reach new readers around the world. With people embracing digital reading more than ever before, Kobo wants to give authors an opportunity to let their books stand out with a Kobo promotions tool. They post upcoming Kobo sales, many of which are exclusive to KWL authors, and they also offer lots of promos that don't require you to drop your price, so you don't need to worry about price matching across multiple retailers. If you're using free as a marketing strategy, you can also submit your books to be featured on Kobo's free page, which gets a ton of traffic. If you're a KWL author and don't yet have access to the promotions tool, email the team at writinglife@kobo.com and they'll get you sorted. If you want to learn more about KWL, check out the Kobo Writing Life podcast available wherever you get your podcasts and connect with them on social. You can create your free account at kobo.com forward slash writing life. Okay, that is it from me. Let's get on with the episode. Hello and welcome to the Rebel Author Podcast. Today, I am joined by Grant Faulkner. Grant is the Executive Director of National Novel Writing Month, NaNoWriMo, and the co-founder of 100 Word Story. He has published two books on writing, Pep Talks for Writers, 52 Insights and Actions to Boost Your Creative Mojo, and Brave the Page, a Teen Writing Guide. His essays on creativity have been published in the New York Times, Poets and Writers, Lit Hub, Writer's Digest, and The Writer. He serves on the National Writing Project's Writers Council, Lit Camp's Advisory Council, and Aspen Words Creative Council. He is also the co-host of the podcast Right Minded. Hello and welcome. Hey, Sasha. Thanks so much for having me today. No, I, 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 I'm like almost fangirling because I've heard you on so many podcasts. It's like really like a, a humble moment to get to have you on my own show. So thank you so much for your time and for, for joining me on the Rebel Author podcast. Um, yeah, no, I'm excited for this title of this podcast, <laughs> you know, just to do a deep dive into rebellion in all yeah. ways. Yeah, and how topics. Nano's rebellious as well. How can we rebel in Nano? No, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. Absolutely. <laughs> Um, okay, before we dive into Nano, would you like to tell everyone a little bit about your journey? Like, how did you get to where you are? How did you get involved with Nano? All of that good stuff. Yeah, gosh, a, a long story, long story that would take up several episodes of the podcast. So I don't <laughs> want to get too deep into it. But yeah, you know, I, I'm pretty much a lifelong writer. I knew I was a writer from my earliest memory. I, I was one of those kids. I actually begged my mom for uh, one of those journals with a little lock on the side of it for my Aww. seventh birthday. Um, and, and she also uh, early on got me this uh, really this kid size uh, antique oak roll top desk that I still take a lot of pride in. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. So, so, yeah, it was in me from the beginning. But, you know, of course, like every writer goes on this sort of nettlesome labyrinth, you know, the hero's journey of some <laughs> sort. And, uh, yeah, you go through a lot of twists and turns. Um, but I did. By the time I exited college, um, I was uh, I, I had no plan B. I was like, I'm going to be a writer. And there was no turning back. And so I, you know, 
lived in different places, worked in bookstores, worked waiting tables, all that kind of sort of thing. Uh, my, my basic premise of life was to work in the evening. So I had my days free to read and write. And I pretty much successfully did that throughout most of my 20s and picked up an MFA degree there uh, along the way because I was like, hey, I'm reading and writing all the time anyway. I might as well just get a degree for it. Um, but yeah, then I um, you know took some twists and turns in terms of like just making rent. In, in, in a high priced city like San Francisco. And I, I worked for Charles Schwab of all things in financial services, doing communications. That was the big detour in my life. But it was kind of like my, uh, a type of MBA that did lead me to what I call my professional or my creative home now, which was the National Writing Project initially, which is a nonprofit that helps teachers teach writing better. And then that led to National Novel Writing Month, I mean, being executive director. Um, so it's been, I, I feel very blessed because I can be a writer and engage in the writing community in so many different ways and also earn my living um, as well. And I just think it's so hard to do that. So I just feel so deeply lucky, but the whole time I've been a writer and I, I've, uh, I, I always say I've, I've written everything except a vacuum cleaner manual. And, <laughs> and I'm sure that someday I will write the vacuum cleaner manual. In fact, I, I pledge to, uh, yeah. and I might do a little bit different <laughs> twist on the vacuum cleaner yeah. manual, but, but I, I do want to write that. Uh, but yeah, I've written novels and short stories and hundred word stories and poetry and nonfiction and essays and yeah, everything. So I really, uh, like all forms. I, I already have a tangential question. What, yes. what is Nano in November? Do all the staff do Nano? Uh, not all the staff. Okay. Uh, we, we do have a high percentage of the staff. I I think uh, we've we've. I mean, all of our staff has done Nano at some point. It's just Incredible. on any given year. We don't have a hundred percent participant patient. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's so cool. Do you like all get together on your lunch breaks to do sprints and stuff? We do. We do. We put, we put, I mean, I don't want to, I don't, I don't want to miscast us because we're yeah. very hard at work. We're I'm not just sure. sitting around waiting around for the next writing sprint at work, but we do also, I feel like it's one of the best fringe benefits that I've ever had in a job is to be encouraged to write a novel. I know, and right? so, there is nothing better than that. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, I feel very lucky and i think the staff feels very lucky too so we will often create our own uh writing gatherings gatherings during during work hours um, or after amazing. before work hours stuff like that yeah that's yeah. so cool okay right i am sure that everybody listening has heard of nano but just yeah. in case there is somebody perhaps some of the newer writers listening that really maybe haven't heard of it can you first of all explain what is nanorimo and um like yeah i guess maybe it's like from inception to where it is now. Yeah. Have you done NaNoWriMo? I so, have. have you yes, I have. I, I have done it two or three times, I think. I won okay. the first time and then I don't yeah. think I've won since, but I can I can write a book in about two or three weeks. So I can do it. It's just timing it to happen at the same time as as November. Um, okay. Yeah. That's good to know because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you a question after okay. I explain this. I'm going to put you on the spot. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Um, so <laughs> listeners don't go away. We're going to put Sasha on the spot. Oh, wow. Um, this yeah, is, so you rebel, you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Rebellious guest. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, so yeah, the, the, 
I, you know, NaNoWriMo, actually, it's it's just so many things. I actually always have a hard time a- answering that question. But the shorthand for it is, is the challenge to write 50,000 words in the month of November every year. And so it's one part writing boot camp. And that's the showing up every day to write 1,677 words a day. And then it's one part rollicking writing party. And that's the part that sometimes a lot of people don't know about. And so we have many different types of community structures and places around NaNoWriMo, both in person and online for people to participate. And that's a really key part of NaNoWriMo because so many people will say that they've never written like that um, in in a month before. And it's because of the galvanizing kind of uh, bursts of energy that the community provides them. And so we have uh, nearly a thousand what we call municipal liaisons and they're volunteers literally around the world and they organize writing gatherings in cafes and bookstores and stuff like that and people come together and write together and and the municipal liaisons they're kind of like writing coaches writing therapists writing cheerleaders writing teachers all of those things and so they provide a lot of ways for people to continue continue to write and gather and then we have like a program called come right in where we work with uh you know nearly a thousand libraries each year and then all sorts of online community spaces, both on our website and, and on places like you know, Twitter, NaNoWriMo, hashtag NaNoWriMo is uh, trending. Uh, the month of November, we have at uh, NaNoWriMo word sprints that are 24 hours a day during November. So there's just a bunch of different ways, regional discord servers, whatever. There's kind of like, I think if you want to get involved with other writers during NaNoWriMo, there is a way for you to do that no matter what. <laughs> Amazing. That is incredible. Well, what was your question for me? Oh, yeah. Thank you for reminding me. Yeah, you wanted the question. So, <laughs> I mean, so my question is, is since you've done NaNoWriMo, um, and this is a way to describe it, if you met somebody who didn't know what NaNoWriMo was, how would you invite them to participate? And what would you tell them? What's good about it? What, what would you try to convince somebody? Um, I think I would say it is the rocket up the arse like (laughs) opportunity to actually write the novel that you've always wanted to write because that's what happened to me I am extremely competitive and um I heard about Nano and I think I was I can't remember if I was pregnant or if I just had my son, but I basically decided that I wanted to show my kid that he could do anything and be anything that he wanted to be. And um, I was really miserable in my day job. And so, I, I mean, like really, really miserable in my day job. And so I just decided that um, because I've always been a lifelong reader and I've always written that this this was what I was going to do. And so I, Nano, I mean, I had been like fucking about for a bit, like planning and pulling, you know, images and, you know, doing stuff, but not actually getting any words down. And so I, um, it was Nano. Nano is the reason that I'm a full-time writer. And um, so I did that very first Nano. And I think I wrote 53,000 words in the month. Um, And then I threw them all away. And I started again, but that's fine. It's fine. The book got got to print eventually. But that um, was, yeah, I don't know, like maybe almost 10 years ago now, maybe eight, nine years ago, something like that. And um, I think from that point, it was three years 
until I published the first book. And then two years after I published, I left my day job and, I, and I've been writing full time. Congratulations. Yeah, three and a half all years. The, all that hatred of your day job led to something great. <laughs> yeah. But it's inspiring. It was because, yeah. It, it, but it's because Nano, like it was that perfect competitive environment. Um, and there were, you know, I could see other people writing and doing and like that just, that's like rocket fuel to me. So yeah, it really, really spurred me on. So um, you're at- your answer was much better than mine. And I, I just, I just want to refer that. I don't know. Do you remember the first phrase you used? Um, rocket had rocket in it. Yeah, there you go. I, I don't think we can use that as a tagline, but Stop. I like it. Bum? Yeah. 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 I like it. I like it. I, ha- have it really I haven't British. heard it before. So lead, lead that rebellious movement. Yeah. The rocket amazing. up the bump, the rocket up the bum of writing. Nano yeah. Nano. Oh yeah, I'm, I'm sure there's a politer way, but I'm not very polite. There is. So, you know, <laughs> let's hope let's hope no one's tweeting that right now. Yeah. <laughs> okay, um, so I used to co-host a podcast with a dear friend of mine, and we used mm-hmm. to have this on-running debate about yes. whether you pronounce it NaNoWriMo or NaNoWriMo. And I just wondered, very quick, what question. do you what do you pronounce it as? What do you pronounce? It as? I say NaNoWriMo. Yeah. Uh, how do you pronounce the word W-R-I-T-I-N-G? Writing. Writing. Yes. Yeah. So writing, not reading. No. Reading. No, no. Yeah, exactly. Which is why I was yeah. like, it's NaNoWriMo, not NaNoWriMo. Yeah. yeah. I think if we pronounce the word writing, reading, then it would be NaNoWriMo. But mm-hmm. since we generally pronounce the word writing, writing, it's NaNoWriMo. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's interesting though how many people mispronounce mis, uh, it so I know yeah. and I think I think it also depends what part of the country you come from I suspect that people who come from up north are probably more likely to say re because they okay. would say because they say bath instead of bath and glass oh. instead of glass so I yeah see. I don't know I, I but that's to the UK anyway I don't know what it would be like in other parts <laughs> of the country but that's my guess okay so I've got some questions uh, and some comments as well from from patrons. Right. And uh, one of my patrons, CJ, says, uh, is Nano just for authors who struggle to draft uh, or who need accountability? So I'm sure that's a nice, easy question for you to answer. But You know what? So I have talked to so many writers in the last 10 years, so many NaNoWriMo writers. I've been in NaNoWriMo for 10 years. And um people turn to it for just nearly, I mean, just reasons that I'm sure I haven't heard them all, you know, just all sorts of reasons. So yeah, people look to it for accountability. They look for it to get the words out when they're struggling. But, you know, I talked to writers who um, are longtime NaNoWriMo participants, best-selling writers who that's the way they draft every novel. Like they don't have problems showing up and writing. It's just a creative process for them. And so I just think there, there are hundreds of reasons to, to do NaNoWriMo. And, you know, I think, I think, you know, one is, is that, you know, per you hating your job and me taking that detour into Charles Schwab, you know, we all have, I think like one horrible thing about becoming an adult is that creativity tends to kind of fall lower and lower on your to-do list, as I put it, or just off the list entirely. And so there's so many people lose that, you know, the creative joy of being a human being. And they're so focused on all the practical matters of life and their work, even if they hate their work. And so NaNoWriMo is just 30 days to make creativity like a priority. And in some ways, I think that's our main function. You know, a lot of people write during NaNoWriMo and they publish books and they, you know, fulfill their writing aspirations or pursue them. 
but it's really about um, just opening up yourself to this magic of creativity, you know, making it a priority for a month. You know, it doesn't have to be a priority every month of the year. That's tough to do as an adult, but just keep it up there, <laughs> you know, keep it on the list. That's what I always say. Yeah, I think that's so important. And like creativity, okay, like I'm probably biased, but to me, creativity <laughs> is joy. Yeah. And like, I feel like so much of our time as adults, like we have joy sucked away because we have to pay bills. We have to be responsible for our children. We have to put food on the table. We have to, you know, do all of the things that that being an adult requires. And, and yet we then don't make time for that self-care and creativity in whatever form that is, is a, is a form of self, self-care, which creates joy. Like not only does it create joy for you, but it creates joy for the readers who get to read your projects. And like, I just think everybody's creativity needs to be in the world. So yeah, I absolutely love that. I think that's so important. Uh, uh, absolutely. And I'll add a layer to that because I mean, you're absolutely right. The eloquently said, um, but I think sometimes like people will trivialize uh, creativity or writing and they'll think like, oh, that's just, you know, people, whatever, ec- indulging in their fantasy, fantasy storytelling. You know, how does that have anything to do with real life? Well, joy has a lot to do with real life. Human connection has a lot to do with real life. Uh, writing opens up uh, our powers of you know, observation and noticing and feeling. All of those things are very palpably tangible, tangible in real life. So I actually think there's, you know, this, this wonderful fancy side of of writing and reading that's about entertainment and the imagination but there's also that other side about like human connection and and what makes life worth living and so i i think there's a very practical side to it yeah and if nothing else words are also knowledge which is power and like education and we all need to you know continue to learn and and educate ourselves the whole of our lives so yeah oh i'm so passionate about this i love it i love it love it um okay so nano if you are a new writer, is often a game of stamina. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you might look at 30 days and think, oh, that's, you know, 30 days, that's nothing. Anyone can do anything for 30 days. But if you are new to writing, it can be quite tough. So I wondered if you had any tools or tips or tactics um, that you would give to those writers who are maybe like really good sprinters, but haven't necessarily mastered the marathon uh, aspect of, of Nano. Yeah, I think three things. One, uh, writing 50,000 words in a month is tough, no matter if you're a new writer or an old writer. It's tough for me every time I do it. Um, And uh, two, I think uh, the number one reason I see uh, people who don't win NaNoWriMo use the word winner earlier, just for people who don't know, a winner is somebody who reaches 50,000 words in a month. And I think it's because like they sign up and they don't really calibrate how much of each day they need to open up, how they need to change their schedule to allow for writing. And like, it takes me about two hours to write 1700 words. I'm a somewhat slow writer, but anyway, I think you need to like, think about how long does it take you? You don't think slow? No, not really. Not medium. Yeah. 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 But also it depends because we all need different amounts of thought and thinking time in order to create that number of words. So I think, yeah, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. Yeah, no, it's very personal. You know, everybody's got their different pace. And that's why I think uh, you need to like kind of time yourself and think, or just think about how much you need for every day of writing. And then to like, look at your life. You know, I always say go on a time hunt and, and, and most of us just don't have two hours available to write. We have to really construct you know, strategically think about our days 
Like when do you need to wake up earlier? Do you need to stay up later? Do you need to write during your lunch break? Um, you know, do you need to do some power writing sessions on the weekends? You know, really come up with a strategy for how you're going to keep up with the pace of 1700 words a day and, and become a winner. And so, yeah, time doesn't just happen. Uh, we have to make time, you know, we have to make our priorities into time. And so that's the one thing. And then when you're, you specifically asked about those people who love to sprint, but might not be marathon runners. And I would say they're one and the same, really. Um, like building, writing a novel is is largely about a lot of small increments and, and just kind of piling up the pebbles of a novel over and over again. And so if you do a writing sprint for five minutes, it's amazing, one, how many words you can write in five minutes. So don't underestimate the writing five minutes at your lunch break. Because um, I've, I've done writing sprints before and people have written like five or 600 words in five minutes. Um, and even if you only write 100 words, that's still a lot. It all builds up to that novel. So Think of it like that. Don't think of it as a marathon. Think of it as like that. Exactly. Like that's why I keep saying it's 1700 words a day. If I said it was kept saying 50,000 words, that seems more impenetrable and daunting to achieve. Um, so break it down into smaller chunks. And you people who are great sprinters, that's, you know, sprint three, four times a day and you, you're, and you're running a marathon, essentially. I love it. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be rebellious. Um, and also yes. say, <laughs> just because I'm naughty like this, um, the, the challenge is to get 50,000 words in a month. You don't have to write every single day because I am no. not a consistent writer. So I, I can, I tend to like tunnel vision and write a very obscene amount of words in a very short space of time. Um, yeah. so yes, but then I, then I'm spent. And then I need yeah. a break and then I can't write anymore for, you know, for a couple of weeks or whatever. Um, so, and also there's a long bit of prep that comes up to then that very short period. So like I've, yeah. I've just finished a book that I started on the 16th of September and it's now the 4th of October. So I've written a whole book, but I couldn't like, it's almost like I have to shrink that deadline instead of having a month to write it. I need three weeks or two weeks because a month I, I can't be consistent enough to, to get it so if there are listeners who are like oh my god i can't i can't do that in four weeks but i could do it in two and a half or three like you have permission <laughs> right you, have permission you do you have you have i mean we, we are not prescriptive at nanowrimo we yeah. want it, it actually is i think uh another premise of the event is it's a creative exploration it's finding what works for you you know and everybody everybody has a different creative process there's not just one golden creative process that will work for everybody. Yeah. And so like, that's why I mentioned, like maybe you have to be a power writer on the weekends because maybe your weekdays just don't afford you much time to write, you know? Yes. So maybe if you can do five sprints during a week and maybe you write a total of 2000 words in that week, but then over the weekend, you write 10,000 words on Saturday and another 5,000 on Sunday or something like that. Yeah, you know? exactly. Exactly. Yeah. You have permission to do it the way that you want to do it. Like yeah. whatever works for you. I, uh, I'm obsessed. All my listeners are going to be like, ah, everyone take a drink. Cause I talk about it so often, but I love Clifton strengths. And, um, I don't know if you've ever heard of it, but, um, basically if you are if you have high consistency which some of my uh, patrons do then they are very very good at writing the 1600 words every single day day in yeah. day out 365 days a year but then if you have other types of strengths then you're much more of a like a vomiter and then a rest vomit rest vomit rest kind of yeah, yeah. So i just i love i love writing processes and like hearing how everybody like does it and i think that's so true as well about um the amount of time so like when i 
first started writing. Um, I mean, that first year we did that. No, I don't think I did anything else. I think it, like I stopped watching TV. I didn't go out. I didn't socialize for that whole month because it took me so long to like get just a hundred words every single time. I was so determined to do it. Whereas now, 10 years later, I'm a, I'm far, I write very quickly, but it's taken 10 years of like consistently mm-hmm. trying, you know, before I could get to that. So yeah, I just, I love all of the things that you're saying. Um, what advice would you give to an author who has gone in, they've plowed through the first couple of weeks and they've hit a brick wall. They've got stuck. Maybe, maybe they've gone blank. They've got no more words or they've hit a plot hole. Um, and you can sort of see that rabbit in the headlight deer in the headlight panic mode setting in what would you say uh to them or what advice would you give? yeah i think this is a classic question for every single novelist and that's actually my first um answer is that this happens to everyone <laughs> and not just once in your novel it's going to happen a lot of times you just hit the wall i mean we call this period in nanowrimo the muddy middle and um it's it's yeah i think so know that you're not alone this happens to everybody know that it's going to happen again know that things go very very dark and that you will question your story your <laughs> and your question, soul <laughs> yeah your question your soul your question the value of yourself as a human being you'll question your whole human lineage um you'll question your place in the universe perhaps the yeah. questions get big and dangerous and dark yeah. but just Try. I think the key thing is is to trust that this is a temporary situation, a temporary bad day or bad week or maybe even bad month if you're working on your novel for a long, longer period of time, and that there will be uh, something bright that will guide you through it eventually. So trust in that. In the context of NaNoWriMo, uh, you know, I would say it might be a great time to step away from your novel, take a break, do something fun, just shake things up. Uh, I, I, you, you talked about missing days of writing, and I think that's a moment where, yeah, give yourself permission to miss a day or two. I would say don't step too far away though. You know, you want to keep it again, make creativity a priority for the month. Also make finishing a priority for the month. You know, people, um, you might do some like word sprints for instance, in, in, for instance, like either with your, um, NaNoWriMo regional group or online with Twitter, as I mentioned, or, but just by yourself. Um, and, and the reason I say that is because, uh, what happens in these word sprints, if you've never experienced one, is that you'll get a prompt, you'll get a time to write like five or 10 minutes, and then you're supposed to write as much as you can. And I've led literally thousands of these to this date, and I've never seen one person who did not write a word. Everyone writes something. And this is proof to me that writer's block does not exist, mm-hmm. that we've got stories and words in our brain that are just waiting to gush out. We just have to open the door to them. And so again, trust that too, that you, there are various techniques that you can use to get the words out. It it doesn't matter, especially in this rough draft, which I call a discovery draft, if they're bad words. You know, that's one premise of creative um, benefit of NaNoWriMo is that by writing with abandon, you're opening yourself up to creative experiments in ways that you wouldn't have ordinarily. So that's like one of the great benefits. So, so I think like, again, like they're just using these different, like thinking about what technique you need to keep going uh but also just returning to that fact just that your story matters you know believe in it it's a lot more fun to write when you believe in it a lot more fun to write when you believe in yourself so all those big dark dangerous questions that happen sure you know think about them for a little bit but don't dwell on them for too long i love that so much and like the one of the things that i do is i keep a list of the things that have solved problems for me before so some of the ones that i do is i talk to a friend or another person doing like writing a novel at the same time and just swap plots and share because sometimes just verbalizing 
the the novel or the issue can I yeah. can talk myself out of it so that's one exactly. of the ones I do and the other one is to input we're doing so much output like with the writing that actually sometimes you do need the night off to binge watch something or binge read a book or binge read two books if you're a yeah. fast reader or whatever or read them really slowly yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> Yeah, I'm sensing a PV with me. No, but yeah, exactly. <laughs> not, not everything has to be quick. <laughs> I mean, no, I'm joking. Uh, yeah. Um, but yeah, so like maybe you need some kind of input and, and that could be like visual inspiration or like going for a walk or whatever or reading or, or you know, anything that that is creatively inspiring to you. is like the other yeah. thing that I that I try and do. So, I, lo- I love that. Since this is the Rebellious Podcast, can I mention one thing that of came course. to my mind while you were talking? Uh, Leonard Cohen, this is my favorite creative um, process stories. Leonard Cohen's um, creative guru, who was a po- poet. This was when Leonard Cohen was pre- before he was a singer. And his guru, who I cannot remember his name, um, always asked him at the end of the day, what did you do wrong today? And I, I think that's a brilliant question for every writer because so many, so much of so much of our energies are to do what's right, you know, to to obey the rules of writing. And so I think when you're in that muddy middle, give yourself permission to do some wrong things. I love that. I've been talking to one of my friends recently about how we all, or my I and this person had a rod up our asses when it came to writing, and how we have both removed it and now we're so free like as if we were writing because sometimes you know we're told oh you you know write to the reader or to to a particular genre deliver what they want and actually sometimes you just need to write like we were talking about earlier for the for the fucking joy of it just write to enjoy it just write to be free write to but that's when you want to do so well at something and you want it to be successful or you want it to create a career, you can place all these expectations on yourself and you can place all this pressure and actually yeah. just remove all of that and just write the most fun thing that you could ever write. And that often, like, it's just the joy. It's right for the joy. Brilliant. <laughs> That's what we're trying to do now. Yeah. Absolutely. Right for the joy. Um, so you mentioned earlier about the um, nano community, and I wondered if you could go into a little bit more detail. So, like, how do people find it? How do they access it? Like, you know, what about if people are, you know, t- typically a lot of writers are introverts, not everybody, but lots of us are. Um, so any tips about sort of joining in, where to find the stuff, like all of the all of those kinds of things? Yeah. Yeah, I think at its most basic level, uh, when you sign up for NaNoWriMo, um, there is a section of the website where you can affiliate yourself with a region. So I'm here in the Bay Area. Uh, gosh, I haven't even tallied up, but there, uh, there are five, six, seven uh, regions that are available to me. I live in the East Bay, so I'm affiliated with the East Bay as my primary region. And what happens there is we have uh, what we call municipal liaisons. I mentioned them earlier. They're volunteers who organize these uh, in-person events. They're in-person now, again, um, this year, in-person or hybrid. The last couple of years, of course, during the pandemic, they haven't been. Um, but what happens is, you know, they plan all sorts of events. It, it, initially, it was like just during the NRM season, but increasingly, they do it year round. And so... Um, you'll go and you'll gather with people and kind of like you said, you'll have this like beautiful collaborative uh, energy, you know, just people there to talk about your story with, if you want, there's also, they've done like psychological research on this, that people are just generally more creative when they are sitting with other people. That's why so many people like to write in cafes. You're just kind of picking up a vibe and an energy. I didn't and then, know that. That's incredible. Yeah. 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 I, I think, that. I mean, not, 
not everybody's like that, but I think a lot of people are really wired to wanting to be with people when they're creating, uh, even if they're not really interacting with them. Um, but, you know, it goes beyond that. I mean, the, your community can help you with your accountability. Um, they can help you like after NaNoWriMo to keep moving forward with the project. They can provide a network for you to uh, possibly get things published or to meet other writers, you know? So I, I think of like this community is like one of the undervalued uh, things. Um, sometimes writers only think of themselves as being introverted and writing alone, but most of us have a, a wider uh, network of people who have really helped us. And so that's why we, you know, make it a very primary part of our programs. So beyond that, you know, uh, we do have, we have a young writers program that I haven't mentioned. Um, we have a hundred thousand kids and teens who write together um, or write every year on our young writers program site. And we support 10,000 classrooms to teach writing. Uh, the come right in program I mentioned mainly happens in libraries and community spaces. But again, it's, it's, it's very similar to uh, signing up for your, your regional um, home on the website. And then, and then again, like so much of it just happened every, every single social media platform, uh, is busy with NaNoWriMo uh, during November. So if you just follow that hashtag, um, like for instance, right now, I'm not sure when this is airing, but on Instagram, we're doing something called the InstaRimo Challenge. And every day you have one thing that you do and post on Instagram as a way to get um, ready to write. So I just think there's no shortage of ways to engage um, you know, with the community and doing NaNoWriMo. That's amazing. I love it. And you mentioned the Young Writers um, program. And one of my patrons, Carla, uh, asked me to read something to you. So Carla says, I would love to thank Grant and the folks at Letters and Light for the support they give teachers through the Young Writers program. Please highlight that they send kits for free to teachers and have aligned everything to the US Common Core standards. Their workbooks and such are not only available to teachers for free, but they also put everything up as Google Docs, meaning teachers in districts with no money for this kind of stuff are still able to teach their students how to write a story with a beginning, middle and end. This will be my 12th year running the YWP through my classroom. It has helped so many of my students over the years and I just can't thank him enough. So Wow. Yeah, I just thought that's amazing. Yeah. Was it did you say Carla was Carla, yeah. Yeah. Carla. Yeah. Well, big thanks to Carla. That was so well said. It's much better than I could have said it. Um, <laughs> and I admire Carla for, for, yeah, for teaching NaNoWriMo in the classroom. I think like, I mean, you, you mentioned free several times in that description. Uh, everything we do is free because we want everybody to be able to write their story. Um, and so we do do a lot, uh, provide a lot of free resources for classrooms. But, the, you know, one of the things that I think makes it really successful as a writing program, and you keep using the word joy, Sasha, but, you know, sometimes like there's not a lot of joy in classrooms and there's a lot of not a joy um, surrounding the activity of writing. And so I think a lot of times people shut down when it comes to learning writing because they you know, they, what they see often is the teacher's red mark correcting what they did wrong. And they don't feel like they're doing things right. And they're not discovering themselves in language. You know, they're not discovering the world in language. And NaNoWriMo, I think, because it lets kids choose what they want to write about, which is also a rarity. Kids oftentimes are just writing the assignments the teachers give them. So they get to choose what they want to write about. They get to plunge into their imagination. There's no nothing wrong in NaNoWriMo. There's no red mark really correcting anything. Um, and so they get to find joy. They get to learn through their passions. They get to have learn through having fun. And this is a pretty good pedagogy, I find. I find like when people find joy, 
they tend, they tend to keep being curious and they tend to want to learn more. And that's the way I see our kids program working our adult program too. But, but it's, it's fascinating that we don't try to do this with more subjects in school just to simply make them fun. Yeah. I think this is so interesting. Do you like, so I, I have run this podcast for three years now and every single week I read a rebel story from a listener about a rebellion yeah. that they've done. And every single okay. week I ask the guest to tell me a story that about the time they have re rebelled. And it's only recently that I have realized what is at the heart of rebellion. So on the surface, a lot of it is a, looking like it's about change, that it is about, you know, movements or creating better worlds, creating, you know, a better, a thing that you want to be better. But I think that the common thread through all of that is about joy. Rebellion is about creating joy for yourself or for the world. And like, I just think it's, it, it marries so well with creativity. And I think that is why so many writers probably are like inner rebels. If we like, if you look at us, even though, you know, lots of people will claim that they're not, you start digging and actually they're, they're rebels. Really. I think so. <laughs> I, I think the creative act itself is an act of defiance for what we were saying earlier about creativity falling off of adults to do lists. Like exactly. suddenly I have so many people tell me that they're not a creative type. And, and, you know, my answer is like, you are a creative type because you're a human being. This is the defining feature of being a human being. We are exactly. natural storytellers. This is how we make meaning in the world. And I love the idea of rebellion, which is oftentimes thought of as like, being attached to words like angry, breaking yeah. the rules, anarchy, defiant, you know, these, yeah. these words that at least have a little bit of negativity to them. But the idea of like defining um, rebellion around joy is a, is a different, different angle. So that's, that's brilliant. Yeah. It's almost like I need to write a book on it. <laughs> Maybe I'll do that for now though. It's, yeah. I'm going to give you, <laughs> I want to steal that idea, but it's yours. It's yours. It's definitely in the works. Trust I, me. I want to rebelliously <laughs> steal that, the, yeah. the bad side of rebellion. Yeah. No. <laughs> Um, okay, so you kind of talked uh, uh, in that last section about red marks and teachers and feeling like often uh, in the classroom, particularly, it's the red marks that we see rather than like the praise. And I wondered whether there you see over the years you've seen any writers making mistakes when approaching nano so not necessarily you know um the content because you you know story is story is story but perhaps in the way they approach or their methods or like how they've set themselves up do you ever see uh writers any making any mistakes which kind of prevent them from you know getting all the way to the end I think the mistakes are like one that I mentioned earlier is not coming up with a strategy to be successful or make time for your writing. I think another mistake is for people to write what they think they should write, you know, like what the, you know, if they want to be published, like what will be marketable. And I do think that there's a big value in writing um, what you're called to write, your truth, your joy, as you put it. And I do think that this is like a, a, a good a way to be rebellious to NaNoWriMo is just to insist on your truth. That's, that's my definition of rebellion actually is an insistence on your truth and being who you are. And so I think like if you violate that, that is a kind of wrong way to go about it. Um, but generally, I don't think that people go about it wrong. I think, I think like I said earlier, it, it is an experiment. And every year I try to do something a little different because I don't think we ever arrive at 
the ultimate creative process, you know, even though a lot of us have decided pretty much on 90% of it. Um, but I think people should feel free to do something wrong. Just like I said earlier about the Leonard Cohen, uh, what did you do wrong today? What did you do wrong in NaNoWriMo, you know, creative process wise or on the page? Um, because I think that doing something wrong leads to doing something right. Yeah, I love it. What We all have to write a turd of a first draft in order to get to the polished diamond at the end. Like my first yeah. drafts are rough. Yeah. <laughs> but or, they or those polished everything. diamonds, they can be in that rough draft too. Sometimes I think the rough draft gets such a, a, a bum deal, you know, as being yeah. all crap. Yeah. But there, there are so many little uh, sprinkles of diamonds and, you know, just so many nice little things in, in most rough drafts. They might look a little blemished, but there, there are gems there. I always call it my chaos draft because yeah. um, quite often, so I've written, I think I'm on book, oh, I don't know, 18, 19, something like that. Anyway, and none of them have been written in order up until this current book that I'm writing. Every other book has been written like a puzzle. Like I've sort of done the out, the the, the big, you know, the corners and, and the outside. Mm. And then I've just like, and then I've like <laughs> smushed it all together and it's become a book. Um, apart from this latest one, which I can't explain how or why that's happened. But um, yeah, I love that. It is just like embrace the chaos of drafting. Um, okay. So you mentioned uh, a, around planning your time. I wondered if you had any advice about planning what you're going to write I know some people aren't necessarily planners but do you do you think there are any key things that you could do in terms of the writing in order to like prepare for success yeah we, just for your listeners benefit we kind of have this continuum of planning and pantsing that we call it so pantsing is writing by the seat of your pants and there are people who sign up for NaNoWriMo they do not know, they literally do not know what they're going to write until their fingers hit the keyboard on day one um, and then there are other people who are way on the other side of the planning continuum and I always reference James Patterson writes a 20 page single spaced outline for every novel that he writes so there are very people and I've heard of people writing more than that for their outline so they're very you know meticulous planners and then in the middle are, are people like me uh, who who we call ourselves planters. And um, I'm actually kind of a pantser, but I each year I, I usually do a little bit more planning for my novels. Um, I What I find my sweet spot to answer your question is to do just enough planning that you have a good sense of direction for your story, but that you haven't overly determined your story. And I say that because I have experimented with writing an outline. And I find that I exhaust the story's mystery in the outline that I've written. And I like to write for the mystery or to answer yeah. the questions. So I like to leave that mystery out there. And that's kind of what I'm pursuing in my novel. So that's me. But I do think it applies to most writers. I think most, most people who are really good outliners, what they'll tell you is that they don't solve the mystery of their story in their outline. Or while they're writing, they break the rules of their outline. They allow themselves to, to not. And that's the other thing about why outlining didn't work to me. Is it felt like a recipe I had to follow. And, and um, I, need, I need things a little bit more wide open creatively when I start something. I, I have an A3 piece of paper with post-its and that's it <laughs> when I start yeah. usually the a3 page is covered but I've moved them on this is the done ones now but like I and that's it that's all I have so I have an a3 page with post-its and if it doesn't fit on there it's not going in the outline and then I and then I start and the thing is is that 
I so I but I go to bed thinking about the story or the next scene because I mm-hmm. I'm very visual so I I have to be able to picture what happens in order to be able to write it but I don't necessarily need to, to be able to picture the whole book I just need to know the very next scene and so once mm-hmm. I'm done with that scene I then start thinking about and picturing the next scene and the, you know so and the thing is is that it changes constantly I was writing the the finale this this morning and came up with a whole plot twist and I've got to go back and thread that fucker in but you know like it is that some of the joy of writing is that like discovery and you can't get that if you pen yourself into a rigid plot but also some people don't feel like they can write unless they have that you know rigid outline so I suppose you know in in the in the ethos of nano it is all a bit of an experiment really until you find the process that works best for you and that's not really going to look like what it looks like for anybody else and that's okay exactly like i would use the word discovery and i always call my first draft a discovery draft it's not a rough draft um i like the word discovery that i'm constantly looking for things to discover in the story and i think um you know when you mentioned the outlining i think a, a lot of people do really need that structure of knowing um both what's ahead of them and what's behind them you know they need to know that next and that outline is there kind of like a security blanket yeah exactly exactly and it almost does having it almost gives them the freedom to veer off of it as well yeah um looking back to your very first nano what would you knowing what you know now what would you tell (laughs) grant approaching day (laughs) one of nano 10 years yeah, ago. Yeah, probably what I just said. I, I think I did it very much more by the seat of my pants, uh, which was fine. I just had an idea for a novel. Yeah. I hadn't done any real character studies or, you know, I hadn't taken many notes. I didn't really have a plot in mind at all. I think that that's what that novel actually kind of lacked was an overall structure. It just kind of ended up being just kind of a variation of the same scenes over and over again. Um, not that that was necessarily bad because it, it was an exploratory draft um on the other hand i might not tell myself anything because i think yeah because i think i think there's something about finding knowledge yourself along the way and having that experience of being a new a new writer and just having your mind uncluttered with advice and if you think about the way we were when we were you know like i oftentimes think about how i just wrote just for joy when i was a kid right i was just writing a story to write a story for myself i didn't give it to other people to read i didn't have any publishing aspirations it was just something to do you know it was as good as watching tv or playing basketball or whatever and so i think like uh, nanorimo is also a way for us to return to that pure joy of writing without like kind of motive and aspiration and maybe that's what that the first nanorimo was very much an experiment for me so so yeah maybe having no rules no advice you know there there is a joy there that you're just not beleaguered with all these other voices in in your head sometimes yeah and i i think the first nano that i did was the freest writing i've done until this last book like where i was like no i am taking the rod out of my backside and like so and the reason but here's the thing the reason i can do that with this draft is because this one's going under a pen name so it's mm-hmm. brand new it's a new genre nobody is gonna know who i am so i just was like fuck it i'm literally gonna write exactly what i want and i'm not gonna care and i'm gonna publish it and i'm just gonna see what happens because like why the bloody hell not like so long i've you know oh just anyway yeah it's all about freedom and joy and just doing it and seeing what happens yeah and, yeah and sometimes oh. you need a pen name to do that you know you need that you do, shield yeah. 
of a pen yeah. name or sometimes you know like um instead of writing a memoir a memoirist write might write the story as fiction and that's also a type of shield because you can you don't have to put it out there in the world as like your truth with your name on it exactly exactly ah oh, i love this okay well this is well. the rebel author podcast <laughs> so tell everyone about a time you unleashed your inner rebel <laughs> i think in some ways it's kind of constant um I, I don't know that i have a specific story for you but like the whole um going out in the world without a plan b as a young writer i remember when i did this one of my parents friends took me aside properly worried about how i was going to make a living in the world but also he wasn't a writer and so his advice i always say it was the worst advice i've ever received because he told me what i would do if i were a writer he's like i would read all the books on the new york times bestseller list and i would figure out exactly what they did and i would do exactly that you know and and while that might be a good advice for product development you know if i wanted to make widgets and make money selling widgets sure but the whole reason i became a writer was not to make widgets it was to express myself and to do it in a kind of unbridled and free and rebellious fashion you know so just that act i was i i disdained his advice at the time but you know as writers you know we all like i do not write <laughs> that you know very commercial fiction i i write stuff that that not that many people are i'm never going to make money off of writing in other words and i'm fine with that um but that that would that's a choice so it's a choice to constantly be rebellious and constantly which means to, to give another angle for it is honoring myself um to be rebellious is to honor myself and i always think of this quote somebody said um, we're making birds not bird cages and so oh. to focus on that focus on the birds we're making, not the cages, you know, there's I so many, I, I mean, you know, as a writer, like for, for, for the, the kind of commercial side, you know, there's always the side that you're like, Oh, well, boy, you know, I mean, you see somebody else write a best selling novel, get money, sell the movie rights, whatever that common story. And it's, it's easy to be like, Oh, maybe I should take in that path. Um, but I, I'm pretty comfortable with the path I took at this point. Um, I don't need to have that bestseller status or that money. It's more important to write my story. Oh, I love it. And what a beautiful rebellion to end on too. Um, thank you so much for your time today. Would you like to tell everyone where they can find out more about you and your books and Nano yeah. um, and anything else that you'd like to add? Yeah, NaNoWriMo, just go to N-A-N-O-W-R-I-M-O.org. Doesn't matter if you pronounce it NaNoWriMo or NaNoWriMo. We want you to write your novel that. with us. <laughs> <laughs> and there are a bunch of resources there and you can just, it's all free. Like I said, just you know, enter your novel and join the community and you're ready to go. Got a novel to gain and nothing to lose. And then um, for me, uh, I'm at grantfaulkner.com. Uh, I'm at Grant Faulkner on every social media platform that I'm uh, active on. That includes Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook. I'm on TikTok, but I don't use that much, unfortunately. Uh, but I will someday. Um, so yeah, I, I'd love for people to, to buy my books and con contact me and connect with me. And the same with NaNoWriMo. Amazing. Thank you. And of course, I'll put all of those links in the show notes as well. Great. And of course, a gigantic thank you to all of the, the show's listeners and all of the show's patrons. If you would like to get early access to all of the episodes, then you can do so by visiting patreon.com forward slash Sasha Black.
I'm Sasha Black, you were listening to Grant Faulkner, and this was the Rebel Author Podcast. Next week, I'm joined by Sarah Painter, and we are going to be talking all about how to write urban fantasy. So join me next week for that. Don't forget to tune in and subscribe on your podcatcher. And when you have a moment, please leave a review. Thank you.